Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello, welcome, welcome to the Bechdel cast. Hello. Yay. Oh, we're so excited. It's our it's our last show at the Ruby. Yes, it is. Oh, my uh, gosh. At least at this location. At this so, location, yes. Because uh, they're, they're moving downtown. Yes. So yeah. follow them there. Ever heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Caitlin. My name is Jamie. And we talk about the representation of women in movies on our podcast. That, that you're, you're watching? Right now. Live, uh, you see our faces. So clap it up, as they say, if you've listened to the podcast before. Oh, nice. I remember our first live show when everyone was like, what? Where are we? <laughs> what are we everyone was you? in the room fully by mistake. Yeah. <laughs> they, they thought it was a screening of Dirty Dancing, which it wasn't. Right. Um, <laughs> and um, no, no shame clap if you have not heard the show before. Did anyone come with a friend? Oh, Woo! Welcome. Hi, thanks for coming. Brave. <laughs> very, very brave of you. Can we just say brave? And non-allied women clearly hates women. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't heard the shot. Until tonight. And Until now you're here and we're going to fix you. Okay. So just out of curiosity, today's movie is yeah. uh, Home Alone. Who's seen it? Clap. <laughs> Has anyone, l like me before a couple days ago, not seen it before? <laughs> no Okay, one. I'm a dumbass. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, I think we can both agree right at the jump. Feminist masterpiece, yes, Home Alone. For sure. Yeah. It has a feminist agenda, and we all know that. You just got to really dig down and <laughs> make stuff up for that to be yes. true. <laughs> Which will be 100% of today's show. Literally, what are we going to talk about today? Hard uh, to say. Who knows? Hard to say. But to join us in that discussion, yes. we've got a guest, as we always do. Uh, she's a writer. She's the host of the Chorizo Talk podcast. Give it up for Tanya Hia. Yeah. 
Hello, welcome. Thank you. I have my beverages. Mm -hmm. got all, all two of them? Yes. Good. And I'm going to urinate on the stage. I love <laughs> Please, I like, uh, think of the venue as, as your litter box, really. <laughs> That's nice. I, I was just thinking the other I, I'm getting a cat, and I was like, I, people should have litter boxes. <laughs> it's way smarter. <laughs> I did something really terrible and embarrassing the other day. I, I peed on my dog's pee pee pad, standing up. <laughs> <laughs> what was the motivation? I don't know. Sometimes things like that make me feel alive. Oh. Oh, you, so you That's didn't like... That's the best possible answer to that. Like, you're like, you, you weren't like about to have an emergency. You're like, oh, I can't get to the toilet in time. Caitlin's no. really trying to find the rationale. <laughs> I, I had to walk farther to get to the okay. pee-pee path than to the toilet. You just, okay, so you wanted the pee. I totally get that impulse. Being standing up is beautiful. Yeah. It's, I understand toxic masculinity every time I pee standing up. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this it's is empowering. what it's been yeah. about, <laughs> okay? <laughs> why? Also, why can't, well, I guess, I don't know. I just think that there is a way in which women could stand up. Have you ever seen, like, there is, like, a complicated funnel that was on the market for a bit that I was like, maybe I'll do it. I owned one. <laughs> you have, you you have one? one? Wait, it what is it called? Gift. Okay. They're for <laughs> camping. Oh. It's too, it's oh. unnecessary. What, like, how long is it like a tubey thing? It's a funnel with like a little, like a skinny penis at the end. <laughs> Styling. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wow. Well, Thinking we've all it. learned a lot so far here yeah, today, I don't right? Know how we got onto this. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's just like no way I'm not going to pee in the litter box at some point. Please text me when you I will. I will text you. <laughs> see what clumpage we get. We'll figure it out. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> Kayla wants to die. Okay, I know. I oh, no. just—I mean, speaking of pee, Home Alone. Am I right? No. Um, no one pee. No pee, one pee, pees in that pee movie. erasure. Yeah, he's so there for serious. a while. <laughs> Does I'm he not pee the whole two days he's home alone? <laughs> <laughs> but then the other argument is like we should have seen him peeing, which we shouldn't. <laughs> no. no. So you know, the peeing is implied. <laughs> So tomorrow, what's your history, your relationship with this film? I it's one of my favorite, or it was one of my favorite movies until I just rewatched it. Yeah. <laughs> earlier this week, and I was like, ah, when I was a kid, I think I saw it as like a documentary because I just realized today I've had a weird trauma about getting burglarized uh, mm, when wow. left home alone, and I I didn't know why. I still have that. Yeah. I blame it on the movie. Like yeah. a goofy burglary or a scary one? No, like an actual one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, it was so goofy. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's what I thought when I saw it last mm -hmm. week. But it, it was scary when you were a kid. It was scary and it's, and it's still a trauma I have of being <sighs> alone and like having people break into my apartment. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like talk about it in therapy all the time and I I don't know, I don't want to blame the movie but like kind of weird that it's my favorite movie and that's my biggest thing. <laughs> I mean, it just goes to show how influential film is which is why we need this <laughs> podcast. Caitlin. <laughs> uh, what's your history with this movie? Uh, I grew up with it hard. <laughs> 
Um, whatever that means. Like, I was four when it came out in 1990, um, but I think I probably saw it for the first time when I was, like, five or six. Uh, Watched it steadily dozens and dozens of times throughout my childhood, probably till I was, like, eight or nine or so. And then I was like, I'm older than Kevin. Fuck this movie now. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't... I kind of stopped caring about it at some point. And I hadn't seen it since then. So it's been a solid 20-plus years since I had revisited it and does it hold up i was surprised that the movie does a lot of things to justify like why they would have forgotten kevin at home like they do try really hard to get back to him right away i didn't remember any of that i was like if his family doesn't even notice he's gone except for that one part where Catherine o'hara is on the plane and goes kevin (laughs) <laughs> which is a, a cinematic moment to, like it'll go down in history it's great is it horrible that when I was watching them forget them I'm like no oh, that makes sense <laughs> well there's so many children there how so do you keep track a million and they all look the like uh, yeah within two inches of height of the same child and then she sent him to the dungeon the upstairs <laughs> the right. attic I'm like you know what as someone who like my parents did forget me places like once or twice in ways that I feel like were more careless than what Catherine O'Hara did. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so I have a, a I watched this a lot as a as a child, but not at all as an adult. What about you, Jamie? I didn't grow up with this movie. I don't know why. I was like I just I I was on the phone with my mom today and I was like, "Why didn't we watch Home Alone when I was little?" She was like, "It's dorky." <gasps> I know. I I thought it was a lovely romp when I watched Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) But I don't know. My mom thought it was dorky, so we didn't... Which is weird, because, like, she has horrible taste in everything, which anyone who listens to the podcast is well aware of. But what the movie I watched a bajillion times was the Jim Carrey Grinch, which my mom is like, now this... is film. (laughs) Which, by the way, Jamie, we should at least spend a a little bit of time discussing what you're wearing. (laughs) Yeah, it's a a holiday episode. Gotta wear my Grinchies. Uh, I wore a reddish color, so I'm in the Mm -hmm. holiday spirit. You know, a tasteful holiday season. This is actually a traditional um, winter solstice (laughs) outfit, so I'm actually doing a really good job. (laughs) I'm in white representing... God. Of course. <laughs> Head to toe. <laughs> See, I feel like we really have some Father, Son, Holy Spirit energy <laughs> on stage here. You decide who's who. <laughs> yeah, I just I didn't grow up with this movie. Uh, and now I was kind of bummed out because when I watched it, I'm like, oh, I wish I had. Yeah. It's so fun. It is. A, it's a beloved movie. Yeah. Uh, it made a bazillion dollars at the box office. was well, an instant smash hit. Some thought it was dorky. So, <laughs> What year did it come out? 1990. Okay. So I was in, born in 83. Yeah. So how old was I? I can't do basic. Uh, seven. Uh, seven. I was, okay. You're like the perfect age to see this movie. Yeah. How yeah. old was Kevin? Eight. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Love yeah. it. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> This is, per- this is perfect. This track, and then I think Macaulay Culkin was nine. Yeah, right. Well, wow. The we whole did the spectrum math. of we age really did the is math. represented here. Yeah, seven, eight, and, and nine. nine. <laughs> Talk about progressive. <laughs> All right, should I uh, get into the recap? Let's recap it. All Feminist right. masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Here we go. So the McAllister House, uh, which is somewhere in the very wealthy suburbs of Chicago. 
is full of people as they all prep for this holiday trip that they're taking as a family to Paris. Which, uh, good for you. Right. <laughs> uh, they were rich. They were rich. Very as rich. And it does not really go addressed how rich they are. But so the, rich. When the pizza comes at the beginning, you're like, $114. You're like, $114 <laughs> in 1990? Right. They're billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's crazy. So they're leaving for this trip the following morning. Uh, and then we meet Kevin. That's Macaulay Culkin, of course. Uh, he is whiny. He's causing trouble. He doesn't know how to pack his suitcase. But he's not like the other kids. <laughs> right, he's uh, precocious. Yeah. But his family is like, oh, man, you're so helpless. You can't do anything for yourself. And then his mom, Kate, Catherine O'Hara, and his dad, Peter, played by John Hurd. We, we meet those characters. We meet Kevin's brother, Buzz, uh, who's like... Feminist icon Buzz, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and Buzz's tarantula. Tarantula. And his creepy posters. And his Playboy magazine that we find out he has later on. Okay. Tread <laughs> carefully. <laughs> All right. A former Playboy employee. <laughs> oh, the worst uh-huh. fact about me. <laughs> I worked at Hooters, so I get it. Okay. Um, true. true. story, but I, it was as a delivery driver. <laughs> that is 100% also true. That is the best <laughs> fact about you. <laughs> Thank you so much. So Buzz tells Kevin about their neighbor, this older man named Marley, who Buzz says is known as the shovel slayer, and he killed his whole family with a snow shovel. Right. So Kevin's really scared of him now. The family sits down to dinner, which is hundreds of dollars worth of pizza. <laughs> uh, I like adjusted for inflation. Does anyone have a ballpark of how much that would be? I pulled up the converter and then I was like, I don't want to know. <laughs> I it, it's too much money I would for guess pizza. Ten thousand dollars. <laughs> is that ten thousand yeah. American dollars? For, I lived in Argentina when this came out, uh-huh. so for me it was ten thousand dollars. Oh sure, because wow. the Argentine peso is worth shit. So uh-huh. yeah. so, so you're like, oh, these people are fucking millionaires. Billionaires. Mm-hmm. How much does a pizza cost in America? <laughs> That's so confusing. Uh, so the, the, the family, they're having dinner, and Kevin gets in a fight with Buzz, and all, everything gets spilled, and his whole family staring at him, being like, you idiot, look what you did. His uncle really lays into him. <laughs> Truly. What is the line guy. he says? He's, He's like, uh, look what you did, you little jerk. He really he, he hits jerk so hard. Mm-hmm. And silence. Yeah. It, Uncle Frank like was cheap also. Uncle, yeah, He's, he would not pay the pizza yeah. boy who was hot. He was. <laughs> he was hot. Okay, he was probably a teenager. <laughs> uh, not now. <laughs> He's like 50 years old now. <laughs> Don't persecute me, Caitlin okay, Durante. Okay, I am so sorry. <laughs> okay. So then there's also a cop just inside their house. No one uh, notices the cop. So weird. And yeah. we're like, okay, this family loves cops. <laughs> They're uh, unclear. Don't uh, love that. But he's like standing there and he talks to Kevin's dad saying like, hey, just be careful. There's a lot more home burglaries around the holidays. Like, I just want to make sure you have like adequate home security. And like, how rich do you have to be for the police to show up at your house to be like, there might be crime at some point. Right. It's like, there. you live in Chicago. Like, go do something. Right. There are murders idiot. to solve. Yeah. So, <laughs> And it's Joe Pesci. 
And it's Joe Pesci. Right. This is the reason why I picked this movie, honestly. Uh, really? Because of Joe Pesci? Are I, you a Pesci head? I'm obsessed, but it's dark. Okay. I cannot wait to unpack this. Yeah, let's this. get into oh, it I in can't a bit. Wait. Oh my God. <laughs> so Kevin's dad's like, don't worry. Like, we're going to Paris. We've got alarms. Like, everything is fine. And then suddenly, Joe Pesci flashes his gold tooth. And this cop seems sketchy all of a sudden. <gasps> Show your yeah. badge. Show your badge. Right. No one asked to see his badge, and that's uh, they just they not, not to victim blame, but it was not their to fault. victim blame. But the whole family <laughs> should have been murdered. <laughs> <laughs> then Kevin's mom sends Kevin upstairs and is like, "Quit causing trouble, you little shit!" And he's like, "Family suck. I wish you'd all disappear." So then the following morning, the family is like rushing around to head to the airport because everyone slept in because there's a power outage. And there was like a bajillion kids. There's so many kids. Right. Not to, but there's a lot of kids. Right. And they, but they all slept in. So there's chaos and they forget about Kevin who is sleeping in the upstairs dungeon and they accidentally leave him behind. Now, Kevin wakes up and discovers that his family is gone and he thinks that his like wish was granted. Uh, and he's really excited about it. He's jumping on the bed. He's eating junk food. He's watching trashy movies. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, outside, two burglars are casing the h- house. And one of them is the cop from the beginning, Joe Pesci. Joe yeah. Pesci. Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> like that. His wife, Joe from Pesci. From here on. We will. <laughs> His character's name is Harry. And then there's also Marv. Uh, that's Daniel Stern's character. They go to break into the house because they think no one is home, but then, like, Kevin sees them lurking outside, so he turns the light on and scares them off. Meanwhile, Kevin's mom is on the plane. First class. First class. First class. But they keep, like, couching it by being like, it's the other guy. He upgraded us, this, like, mysterious uncle. And it's also, like, the end of the 80s. It's technically 1990, so you're like, he got this money in a bad way, you know? Oh, right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You're like, this reeks of, like, dirty 80s Wall Street money. Definitely. Yeah, they did not earn that vacation. <laughs> no. <laughs> but this is when we get the moment uh, where Kevin's mom is like, Kevin! She realizes this immediately, and then they're like, oh, we have to get back home. So they land in Paris. They're, like, calling the police, being like, can you go check on Kevin? Nothing's really working out. None of the neighbors are answering. And the phone line doesn't work. That's another yeah. thing that they set up. The phone isn't working at their house right, right before they leave. Because they the do tree. a decent job of cutting off all reasons. They, I want to see dystopian Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just the movie Skyfall. <laughs> Remember how Skyfall does a Home Alone thing at the end? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Kevin puts his hands on his face and goes, ah! <laughs> and we're like, yes. And we're like, yes. <laughs> we love this. What a happy moment. <laughs> uh, I forgot that it was an aftershave thing. I thought he was like, I'm scared. I'm like, damn, marketing is so tricky. And then he goes out to buy a toothbrush and he runs into the neighbor that he's afraid of and then he runs into the burglars who have just robbed a nearby house and now both parties are suspicious of each other. And uh, Kevin's like, when those guys come back, I'll be ready for them. So he knows that they're burglars somehow or something? Well, they almost hit them with their car. Right. Which I also got. Right here. 
Yeah. Who wrote this fucking movie? John Hughes. John Hughes. So we're like, what? This is actually like John Hughes's least problematic script, probably because there's no women in it at all. (laughs) Right. Uh, So then Kevin pretends there's a party going on at his house using a bunch of mannequins that his family has for some reason. (laughs) Don't know. And a Michael and a cardboard Michael Jordan (laughs) that was in Buzz's room. What a fun party! Classic. Right. Right. I want to. Invited. Yeah. I would watch a David Lynch short that was a Michael Jordan cutout and a bunch of mannequins. <laughs> so the burglars are tricked by this, but uh, eventually Harry figures out that Kevin is indeed home alone. That's the name of the movie. And he loudly exclaims that they will come back that night at 9 p.m. And Kevin hears it. Like burglars do. Yeah. <laughs> so Kevin makes a Christmas wish that he wants his family back. And he goes into a church, he talks to his neighbor who isn't a scary murderer after all. Right, which is like a, you're like, "Mm, the lesson is if you are afraid of an adult, you should talk to them by yourself. (laughs) Unclear on that. Right. But the old guy ends up being very nice. He does. Um, So meanwhile, Kevin's mom has made it to Scranton. Shout out to Pennsylvania. And she is now getting a ride in a moving truck with a polka band that John Candy is the clarinet player for. Shout out to clarinets. I wish there had been an oboe, but there's really no place for the oboe in a polka polka band. band. No, No, it's a little too reedy. Uh, Sure. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, high clarinet visibility. Yes, yes. And that one, we do respect that. We do. Yeah. (laughs) So Kevin returns home where he definitely left the doors unlocked so the burglars could just walk in at any time, by the way. And then he booby traps the whole house. Uh, He's icing the entryways. He puts tar and glue different places, little toys that hurt when you step on them. And then the burglars come back exactly at 9 p.m. sharp, just like they said. (laughs) And they... But they slip on the ice, and there's an iron in his face. But they're so determined to get into this house. (laughs) To steal what? I don't know. I guess VCRs? Pizza money. (laughs) Right. It's like in Fast and the Furious 1, where the whole thing is like, we're stealing DVD DVD players. (laughs) You're like, I guess that that's a good heist for this specific span of three months. Right. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, the burglars are encountering all these obstacles, but they finally make their way in. There's a tarantula. They trip over a bunch of stuff. And they're like, I'm going to get that kid. But then Kevin ziplines to his treehouse and gets away. They're chasing after him, but then they catch him. But then Kevin's neighbor... The nice guy who's not a murderer comes in and saves the day by bonking the bad guys (laughs) with a shovel. And then the cops come, they arrest the burglars, and the next day is Christmas, and Kevin wakes up, and he's like, my family, are they going to be here? And then they're not. But then his mom shows up, but then none of the other family's there. But then they are, and everyone's like, And then we're like, okay, now I know which ones were the siblings and which ones were the cousins. (laughs) The end. Yes, so that's... Oh, also, yeah, no, well, it ends with the old man whacks the burglars with a shovel, 
And then he and Kevin make a silent pact to never talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> he does not report it to the police. Kevin right. doesn't say a word. And then they exchange this look at the end that's like, don't oh. tell. It was, it was like, who does it benefit to not tell anybody? Now there's burglars on the loose, but whatever. Do right. you think Kevin had trauma after this? Yes. He would have had to. Oh I God. had trauma and right. I was just watching it. <laughs> And then there was Home Alone 2. Yes. It happens with Donald again. Trump. What the oh, fuck? Oh, yikes. We'll talk yeah. about that later. But oh that's the story gosh. for that's Home Alone 1. So <laughs> there you have it. Psst, Jamie, what? would you join me backstage for a minute? Because I have to tell you something. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry, everybody. I don't know why she's doing this. But walk, 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 walk. Caitlin, okay. what? Uh, okay, now that we're safely backstage, yeah. I can tell you about HelloFresh. Oh, my gosh. What a relief. I know. Especially because I think that Kevin McAllister could have used a HelloFresh subscription when he was home alone and well, didn't have easy access to food. And if someone was delivering HelloFresh to his home, they would have found out that he was home alone. <gasps> Good point, Jamie. It makes you think. Caitlin, we have both used HelloFresh. It's true. I am such a horrible cook, but with HelloFresh, I was able to not feel that way. And I had I had several delicious meals. So did I. Yeah. I got the vegetarian option and Amazing. I cooked the meals up. It was super easy. The recipes that they provide make the whole process so simple and stress-free. And the then I had rule. delicious meals to show for it. I had burgers. I had fajitas. What didn't I have? Oh, my goodness. You can break out of your dinner rut, our listeners that are not at the live show, <laughs> with HelloFresh's 20-plus seasonal chef-curated recipes each week. There's something for everyone. One, from family recipes to calorie smart and vegetarian, like you were saying, Caitlin, and fun menu series like Hall of Fame and Craft Burgers. HelloFresh has more five-star recipes than any other meal kit, so you know you're going to get something delicious, okay? Oh, my goodness. HelloFresh is also very flexible, and it fits your lifestyle. So, so chill. So you can add extra meals to your weekly order. You can add yummy add-ons like garlic bread and cookie dough. Ooh. So you can make cookies for the holidays. Or don't and eat the dough. <laughs> and then you can also easily change your delivery days, food preferences, and skip a week if you need to. Okay, we have to get back out to the show, but I think we can both agree Kevin McAllister needed HelloFresh. The story would end so differently. And you can get nine free meals with HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com slash TBC9 and using code TBC9. That's HelloFresh.com slash TBC9 with promo code TBC9. Caitlin, will you join me back in the main room? You bet I will. Walk, 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 walk. Tam, hi. Hello, we're back. Oh, we're so sorry. Usually we're like, wow, there's so much to talk about. Um, you know, well, this, this is just a light episode. This yeah. is really more of a hangout. Yeah, we're just hanging out. <laughs> where we discuss. I mean, so I guess where we could start is with Kate McAllister. Sure. Okay, what do we know about her? Uh, she's Kevin's mom. She's Kevin's mom. She ignored him right at the beginning. He had valid points. He went to her bed and he said, Mom, they won't let me do this. And he, she said, shut the fuck up. And yeah. then he said, Mom, they, they treat me like shit. And she was like, get out. She shushed him a million times. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and she was on a work call. Did she work? 
She was. Oh, great question. Um, it is it unclear. Wasn't totally clear. She's who, on the phone with someone at the beginning, but I think it's a family member. That's what I kind of thought as well. Um, it is not made ever explicitly clear what her job is if she does have a job, nor is it made clear what Kevin's dad's job is if he has a job. Uh, mm. Apparently, there are. I don't know if they're Reddit threads or what's out there, but there's like a fan theory that what? Kevin's mom is the breadwinner of oh, the family. That I, was not the theory I came across. Oh, okay, no, that's a good theory. Okay. I think the only evidence that I found to support this was that she she had the money in her pocketbook to pay Ooh, the pizza delivery yes. driver. Okay. And she's wearing a suit. Which means that she has a job. She's a business. Lady. <laughs> I feel like in 1990, though, like costuming wise, that does kind of like mean. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like, especially in the 80s and 90s, they female characters are dressed so in an expository way yeah. of like, this is the sexy character. Yeah. This is the mom. And she was dressed like a working mom. Yeah. Because yeah. the yeah. aunt is dressed fabulously with like pearls and mm. like, yes. like, but she, she doesn't have a job. I felt. I see. Like right. <laughs> or at least not like a business job. No. Right. And the a dad. Bi- a business job. Yeah, sure. Business <laughs> the dad was a total schmuck, too. He was, yeah. I think that he was like, I, I'm, I, I think that he, he may have worked, he may have had a job, but I don't think he was on her level. No. And no. I would bet that her family was like, are you sure about Peter? I thought that, too. Right? Yes. <laughs> And then she was like, well, he's inheriting this really nice house. I had all these thoughts really? when I rewatched it. Uh, it almost feels the way my family thinks about my husband, who's a musician. Oh. <laughs> like, are you, are you sure? And you're like, but it's for love. And they're like, but is it? <laughs> but it allows me to, <laughs> to run the household. Right. It's exciting. It's great. I love to dominate. So, <laughs> I think. And pee on the pee pee pad. <laughs> That's how you exert dominance over That's your household. That's actually a great way to dom your household. <laughs> you just point at the pee pee pad and be like, guess who's that? <laughs> That's terrifying. Uh, I'm going to come on the defense of Kevin's dad. Oh, okay. Hear me out. Sure. Okay, so a lot of movies, especially of this era and especially in this genre, if they're framing like a family unit like this, they're uh, subscribing to a lot of tropes, and the tropes are usually that it's like a, a shrewy, cartoonishly uptight mom, mm-hmm. and then a very doofy dad. Right. I felt neither of those stereotypes were really played to in this movie. No. Uh, I felt that the dad was actually like very supportive of his wife. Totally. No, I uh, feel that. Yeah. yeah. It seems like they, they had an equal parenting relationship. It seemed like they were both yeah. doing a lot while, you know, someone's got to pay for the pizza, right? But, like, the two of them seem to... I mean, in the few scenes we see them parenting and not dwelling on their failure of parenting, it seems like it's kind of... And, it, and they have four kids... Yeah, um, and it seems like they're 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 splitting the responsibilities. Yeah, is it four? Is it, is it five? Is it? Is there another one? I, I feel like oh, there's might be five. <laughs> oh wait, because there's little Kieran Culkin too. He's a cousin, but he's one of the cousins. He's a cousin. I oh, think but there's like cousin. I think what? the eldest daughter is maybe. I, I don't know. That? There's I thought so it was many two sisters, kids. two brothers. That was my wait. Oh. Let me check IMDb. 
It could this be is a anything. professional There's, production. There are 11 kids total in the household between the two, two families. families. But if there's only four kids in the McAllister unit... Wait, there is five. There's Jeff McAllister, Kevin's elder brother. Megan McAllister, Kevin's eldest sister. Buzz, mm-hmm. the older brother, and then Linny. So there's five kids Good in grief. the McAllister family. I would forget one every time I left <laughs> yeah, the house truly. as well. <laughs> Honestly, anyone who's coming down too hard on Kate and Peter, consider... <laughs> Right. I mean, so like the way that they're acting toward Kevin in the very beginning where they're like, shut up, just like do what you're told and da da da. Like they're frantic. They're dealing with there's 11 children in their house. I would be having a meltdown. But I I think that whenever when like they're like on the flight to their trip, the chaos has died down. And his mom is like, (laughs) I can't not do it. Um, (laughs) She's like, I can't help but feel like I forgot something. And I feel like the dad could have been her least favorite son. (laughs) He went through the list. I feel like in a lot of movies, the dad would be like, oh, you're overreacting. Like, just relax. Like, everything's Mm -hmm. fine. But he's like. Well, let's go through this. Was it the coffee yeah. machine? Was it the doors? Like You're he was right. always like very supportive, and like he never like belittled Big her chip. or it like undermined her. Chip. And yeah, I really liked it. They're good people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really do think they were good. I don't know. I was very sympathetic with them the whole time, and Same. I also felt like the opening sequence where like Kevin is being talked down to and kind of like dumped on by his family. It's like a little over the top, but I feel like that's almost written to be from his perspective. Right. That when you're a little kid, you think ev- like I I was from like a big family too, and you always feel like no one likes me. I don't get the attention I deserve. Yeah. My parents don't want to talk to me because there's too many other kids around. Like I feel like that is just like heightening. You right. know yeah. that like Kevin is like lost in this mix of kids, and he doesn't really fit anywhere because he's not tarantula kid yet. <laughs> the kid we all aspire to be. He was the creative if you think about it. Like yeah. He was like the you know, he was kind of a child prodigy. Like who does all the like the tar and the feathers and the zip I mean lines? yeah. He's a mastermind. He's an yeah. engineer, a the little boy in STEM if you will. He does a whole thing where there's explosives. Yeah. yeah. where Who taught him that? Buzz. Well, he steals the firecrackers from Buzz's like porn stash area. Buzz reminds me of Sid from Toy Story. Oh yeah, totally. you're like oh tarantula kid. A movie that has a, a different character named Buzz in it. Mm-hmm. So the dog. Look, the connections. Wow. Oh wait, no, it's Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. Oh my god. <laughs> wait, did you think it was the dog? Is that what just happened? Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I think I'm sick. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think Buzz and Sid are both grow up to be feminists. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We can talk about Buzz for a second. Sure. Buzz at 11 doesn't have the best view of women yet. Yet. Can I tell you a fact I've read? Yes, please. Yes. You know how at one point Kevin pulls out a a picture of Buzz's girlfriend? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. That's the director wearing a wig because he... It's crazy. Is Chris Columbus in a wig? Yes. He didn't want to make fun of women's looks. Oh, that's kind of endearing. (laughs) Is this movie a gift from the heavens? (laughs) (laughs) That's like such a, that's a very roundabout sweet thing to do. It's like, I don't want any like young girl to feel like she's weird looking. You know what's weird looking? Me, Me Chris Columbus. 
Because because Kevin sees the picture and he's like, oh, Buzz's girlfriend. Woof. Yeah. I don't hate it. I <laughs> There's, I told you guys, there's a lot what to talk about. What a journey. About. We'll be here till 6 a.m. <laughs> this is a sleepover. That's why we're wearing pajamas. Um, no, well, Buzz, you know, Buzz says some, he has the, his California girl posters, his, cal- his babe posters yes, of yeah. the era. You can tell he's a horny young man that doesn't quite understand how to speak of women respectfully. We get the feeling he's being raised by a strong woman. She'll catch on when she has time. She has <laughs> right. And be like, hey, let's, you know, let's have a discussion and then she'll give him a Roxanne Gay book, right? Yeah. But it, right now he says, is it true that French babes don't shave their pits and he's yeah. grossed out by women's body hair? Truly, Very 1990 yeah. buzz. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he's like, France has nude beaches, right? And then they're like, it's winter. He's like, oh, tarantulas. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he's just, you know, I like to imagine the buzz later goes on a journey and, you know, discovers some good literature and really gets his act together. Yeah. It was his friends from school that were influencing him to make Definitely. Yeah, he wears the Letterman jacket all the time. Yeah, I they hope- got that Playboy magazine for him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I don't think Peter's hoarding those, unless, but unless he, I, we don't know. We don't know. What I think is Buzz later writes a blog post when blogs <laughs> exist. Uh-huh. So when oh he's like God. in his late 20s, he writes a blog post. It's like, letter to my younger self. <laughs> and then he writes about all the toxic things he learned as a child. And he apologizes to all the California babes. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, love that. I hope that happened. There, I think that there, what we're learning is there's so few female characters to talk about that we're just headcanoning all the children. <laughs> yes. Well, there is. I think there's a little bit more to talk about with uh, Kevin's, his mom. With Kate, yeah, uh, of course. I forgot how much we cut back to the family. Like, I remembered the Kevin thing happening on the airplane, but I didn't quite remember, like, how often we cut back to her, like, desperately trying to figure out a way to get home. She's very active. Very active. Very active, She's, like, delegating tasks. She's getting shit done. She's, like, negotiating with people, whether Mm -hmm. it's, like, people who work at the airlines or, like, other customers who were like I will give you $500 I'll give you all the jewelry off my body like take everything I just am trying to get home so she's like doing stuff like I think she's easily a far more memorable character than the dad who's like oh for sure no one remember I mean maybe (laughs) some people remember the dad but like he and I think that a lesser movie would have uh given all these tasks to or at least some of the more active tasks to the dad right. where it's like I feel like she is responding to like the maternal instinct yeah. which is like you know rooted in some truth and can sometimes be used as a more tropey thing for a movie but in this movie it makes sense right the dad like, is supportive of it every step of the way but there is that one moment where like she's at the airport and she's like I forgot my son at home and he's like well let's just go to Paris and see what happens and you're like yeah. no <laughs> one thing I found weird is when they arrive at Paris, she <laughs> she calls the the cops yes. back in Chicago, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and she says, "My son is home alone. My son is home alone." But she doesn't say, "I forgot my son at home." Right. And True. That was a red flag. You, that she like, like didn't hold herself accountable for her yeah. mistake. And then the cop says, "Oh, this woman's hyper." 
Yeah. Well, I thought that that was interesting too because I'm like, would they have acted that way if it was the dad calling? They men are called not. hyper a lot. Right. So I mean, she should have said, you know, like admitted. Listen, I forgot about my son, and I'm in France. Right. <laughs> That's a bad look, but you gotta but then say it. The cops would have gone to the house. Right. Right. This is all a, a labyrinth of puzzle pieces. That. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I was very impressive. Like she is very active. She is clearly, you know, thinking smart in the moment. She's thinking strategically. It's a very survival based. Yeah. I don't know. I think that my impression of this movie, or like just like what I've collected over the years, was that his parents were like incredibly careless and stupid, but that wasn't what I felt watching it. I'm like, this is Same. just very yeah. unfortunate for this billionaire family. <laughs> it's too bad. The other thing I found a bit surprising was that because so many movies, especially ones that like have a, a, a young boy as the lead character, the main relationship that'll be focused on in the movie would be a father-son relationship. Right. And in this movie, it's far more focused on the mother-son relationship where like... That scene with him and Catherine O'Hara at the end is so sweet. And yeah. I feel like it's so well done by Catherine O'Hara because you can like see she's like... Please don't remember this too much, you know? <laughs> and she loves him so much. And it's, oh, it warmed my heart. I have another weird factoid. Go, Please. yes. Macaulay Culkin still calls her mom <gasps> in real life. Weird. Yeah. Is weird. it weird or is it nice? I can't no, tell. No, it's weird. not nice. <laughs> it's weird. Well, I don't know. It's, no, it's something. Wow. They bonded. Yeah. So if, no, so you wait, you're telling me. Macaulay Culkin, 39 years old, goes on the set of Shit's Creek. <laughs> Just to scream. And he says, Mom. Catherine O'Hara looks up and is like, What? <laughs> I'd like to think this is exactly what happens. I hope honestly. this happens all the time. I hope he drops in constantly. He just calls to say mom and hangs up. That, that is... Very, I mean, he's so little in this movie. Like, it's, man. And, and like, so, I mean, it's, I'm, this is not a hot take. He's very talented. Yeah. He's so good. I was getting, I, I saw Jojo Rabbit recently. Oh, and yes. the kid in Jojo Rabbit reminds me a lot of Macaulay Culkin in the same, like, we were like, wow, this kid's really got something kind of way. But, like, he's so talented. And especially because it's, like, a kid having to, like, carry an entire movie yes no easy Insane. task yeah and like really the only thing they had to go he was in a different john hughes movie he was in uncle buck right in like a pretty small role mm -hmm. and i guess i read there was a if if you love this movie and are interested in the production of it there's a really good oral history of it that was like collected by john hughes's son that like he just talked to everyone who made the movie mm -hmm. and i guess that they auditioned like three million kids. Like, they auditioned <laughs> It was like 200, everyone. I think. It was a lot of kids. And, like, John Hughes, who, like, I feel like, I listen to our other episodes about John Hughes movies because we don't love him. But, like, mm -hmm. for the purposes of this movie, I don't really care. Sure. Yeah, he was like, it's got to be Macaulay Culkin. And Chris Columbus was like, ah, let's see, let's see what these other tip-tapping boys got. <laughs> and then it still ended up being him because he was that good. Yeah. Was this his, like... Break breakout role. Breakout? I think. I think. So. I mean, it was like this was his first starring, like starring, yeah. starring role. And then we get other classics like The Page Master. Page Master. And my my girl master. came later. 
Yes. Yeah. A couple years after that. Uh-huh. He's a star. He's a star. He's a star. He's in Saved. And he calls <laughs> Catherine O'Hara mom. He's a star. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I yeah. like it. I love it. <laughs> He's great. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the things that Kevin decides to do while he has no parental supervision. At first... He's doing like normal kid stuff. Like he's jumping on the bed. Mm-hmm. He's eating junk food, stuff like that. But then over the span of, I suppose, a day or so, he comes of age. I don't know what happens, but he's like, I have to go out and buy a toothbrush and I have to make sure it's been approved by the American Dental yeah. Association. It's so cute. And also I have to go buy groceries and <laughs> use a coupon while I'm doing that. And then he does laundry and then he washes the dishes. He does all these domestic Domestic tasks. things yes. that we never see boys or men do mm-hmm. in movies. We Those are only relegated to and women and girls. And it's not made to be a joke. He's just no. like, I'm, I'm in charge of the house now. This is what I do. But then there's also this weird thing where he's like, I'm the man of the house now. It's ridiculous for me to be scared. I have to protect my domain. And And I'm like, okay. Cut yourself a, yeah, cut yourself a break. You're eight years old and Joe Pesci's trying to kill you. (laughs) My dream. Wait. Just kidding. (laughs) He he overcomes a fear of the furnace, too. He does. Yes. But he really does, because the furnace talks to him at the beginning, and mm-hmm. then it stops talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's scared. I was it. also scared of that furnace when I, I was, was a kid. It's very scary. I would have been scared. Yeah, I didn't even uh, register that as, as him doing, you know, traditionally feminine tasks. Right. But he's just like, I'm the care, And he has, like, this very kind of sweet allegiance to the house he's like i gotta protect the house i gotta do this it's like this combination of like traditionally masculine and feminine tropes that are all sort of right similarly to defend his house he uses a mix of household appliances like an iron and feathers And Christmas Which ornaments. Which what are, where, what are they doing with all these mannequins and feathers? I don't know. Why were there mannequins in the basement? My headcanon is that Catherine O'Hara's character is the breadwinner of the family, and she's like a very successful fashion designer. Uh, That's what I choose to believe. I like to think that Peter likes mannequins. <laughs> 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 That's my opinion. <laughs> But yeah, he uses a mix of like household items and also like a BB gun and a like blowtorch kind of thing. Yeah, um, he's doing it all. There's that moment where the bags break while he's walking. While he's walking with the groceries, yeah, yeah. And it while rewatching it, that scene got me because I have a frustration of errands and just lifting, as we all do. Sure. Yeah. But that really, I related. Yeah. He knows what it's like to... The grind. The the grind, grind indeed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. One thing I felt was missing from the movie is there is no cleaning up montage at the end after the burglars have been arrested because there's tar, there's glue. Weird to believe Kevin cleaned that all up. Cleaned it all up by himself Mm. and put out milk and cookies and put put up the tree, did the stockings, all that stuff. He's a good boy. I would have liked to see the cleaning (laughs) montage that Kevin did, though. I think that was an important thing that we missed. Old Uh, man Marley helped him for sure. Oh, right. maybe. Yeah. But then it, that that increases the secret also <laughs> of like, let's make sure there's no trace. 
<laughs> right. It's so weird. One thing that, uh, I mean, this is, so. there's so little to talk about in the way of women in this movie, but uh, Kevin has two sisters. Yes. They shit on him relentlessly. I liked that in this montage of like just every kid in the house is like, Kevin's a loser, he sucks. There was, you know, no discrimination in terms of gender, in terms of totally. who thinks Kevin sucks. Because I feel like, you know, a lesser movie would be like, you know, would have like female children be like, no, it's Le- okay, leave him alone. alone. But everyone's just like, fuck, fuck you, you, Kevin. You're, <laughs> you're the worst. You're a piece of shit. And he's like, wow, this is, you know. So I, I liked, and I, I felt that the, the girls were given the superior burns. Yeah. Oh, sure. The they les incompetents. Le, yes. what what's up with that? A classy <laughs> burn. She's educated. A classy, classy burn. Surrealist burn. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what, what? Why that, though? That why was, that choice? I'm like, oh, she's she read, you know, three pages of a book. Simone de Beauvoir, like, right. yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I liked, I, w- I mean, obviously, I wish that there were more, and the choice of a big brother over a big sister, you know, that's, you can kind of make it that way you will. But I, I, I did like that it was an equal opportunity uh, dump on Kevin sure. montage at the top. Yep, appreciated yeah. that. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. 
style. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. I want to talk a little bit about other comparable movies of this era, uh, like sure. late, late 80s into the 90s, the like children and family movies from this time. Because of the popular ones that are still remembered and beloved, most of them are very male-driven stories. Uh, most of them have male protagonists, uh, including I think Home with Alone. holiday movies in general as well. D- yeah. I would say so for sure, yes. Uh, and just all movies. Yeah, and but, also uh, movies. But mm-hmm. it, it extends to children and family movies as well, unfortunate mm-hmm. as that is. Uh, so movies like Home Alone, Hook, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Sandlot, The Mighty Ducks. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of sports movies like Space Jam, Little Giants. There was Free Willy, and we don't Free know if Willy, Willy was a... <laughs> Does Willie identify? I don't know if they gendered Willie. Does anyone know? We we don't know. We should find. We'll cover it. Um, But like little rascals. Wait ten years. We'll cover it. (laughs) Heavyweights. A goofy movie. An extremely goofy movie. Okay, be careful. Tread lightly. (laughs) Are those cartoons? You you haven't seen a you haven't seen a goofy movie? I feel like you would really love it. Goofy scares me a little bit. Really? Yeah, I don't like him. He gives me anxiety. Sure. I, <laughs> He's I too goofy. <laughs> you know what? Skip it. That's fine. <laughs> I'll watch it for you. So, you know, there's all these beloved movies from this era, but so many of them are just, like, very male-driven. Of the, like, ones that are more female-driven, they're kind of few and far between. There are things like Matilda, Harriet the Spy. Those, um, I mean, those are the two that people normally cite. And those are, like two little white girls too from For sure. upscale yeah. family and you know like we talk about this a lot when it comes to like family and teen movies specifically where there's a giant class gap and oh, like yes. most teen or family movies don't work if the families are not upper middle class at least right. like yeah there's a huge gap in representation and i mean all entertainment but like family entertainment especially for sure and then just a couple other ones there's you know things like hocus pocus mm. or the witches, witches because women be witches or there's like princess movies like beauty and the beast little mermaid little princess anastasia because women be princesses <laughs> so you know there's a much like narrower idea of like what female characters are allowed to be at the helm of of a female driven family children family movie whereas like ones that star boys or men are, are allowed to like you know, be swashbucklers and adventurers and like, or athletes, uh, you know, all, all kinds of different stuff. And again, that always goes back to like who is behind the camera and who is working on these movies because uh, there is not a woman to be found in the like primary production team right. for Home Alone, which I'm sure comes as a surprise to basically no one. But, uh, you know, it's directed by Chris Columbus written and produced by John Hughes, who has a so-so history on his portrayal of female characters at all. In this, Uh he opts for nothing. (laughs) Uh, You know, and and so something that, like, we try to touch on as well is that, you know, normally if there's a problem 
in front of the camera, it's because there's also a problem behind it. Because like Kevin could very easily have been a little, a little girl. girl. Very like Definitely. there's nothing, which is kind of a cool thing in the writing too, because he doesn't really strike you as like a a kid that is like curdling under toxic masculinity. <laughs> right. So, you know, it it could very easily be a little girl. What's really kind of fucked up too is like the thieves at one point don't care about money anymore is what I realized. They're just trying to kill a kid. Right. Okay, can we talk about Joe Pesci now? Yes. Can you tell me about your Joe Pesci thing, please? I have a, a third factoid we, I've already told the two of you. Joe Pesci is a fucking method actor on this movie. So he got so into the role that he didn't talk to Macaulay unless it was the camera was rolling and... He bit his fucking finger to the bone during one of the scenes. Macaulay Culkin's figure, right? Yes. Yeah. He got that into the role that he fully chewed his flesh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you <laughs> I, I, believe I, Joe Pesci <laughs> thought this was Raging Bull? His <laughs> <laughs> Chindler's lip. I can't. <laughs> it's. It, boggles the mind. Was he like, I'm going to get an Oscar for this? Like, what was he <laughs> I'm like, what is the motivation? Like, I feel like every time someone goes method, which I hate, I think it's the most annoying I thing. It, and it's always it. men, and it's always men who just are already obnoxious and want to be obnoxious and get paid for it. Like, it's just, uh, anything besides some choice Daniel Day-Lewis. But, like, but like the whole documentary about, like, I'm Jim Carrey and I want to be annoying at Pete. You're like, fuck uh, you, dude. That's what I feel, Joaquin fuck Pace, you. Fuck you. And because with, with we, uh, I'm, like, getting lightheaded thinking. It makes me so <laughs> mad. I, yes. But it's, like, women, it's very hard to find an example of a female actor of any amount of fame going method because it, there is a huge stigma of right. women being divas and women acting unprofessional. Right. When that is method acting, is being unprofessional right. and being hailed as a fucking genius uh, for it. I this, hate people. I hate people. <laughs> but I do think it's really funny that Joe Pesci yeah. went method acting. Well, here's what kills me is that I had Joe Pesci on a pedestal and now the pedestal has been rocked to the ground and Joe Pesci's on Fallen. One other thing is, I used to love the idea that Joe Pesci's a singer, but I never heard his music until I was taking a bath before coming Wait, to this. What, what is his oh, music? I like? had a full panic attack. <laughs> he sounds like it's like this. Oh, 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 oh I love you, little baby. I swear. What? Yeah, the song. His latest release is called like Little Baby. Uh, when did it come out? In 2019. Oh Please listen. Oh it's on Spotify. What? He's a singer. Dropped little baby. It's like it's like my my little baby. I don't know exactly. It's something with the word baby. Okay. What? That's, that, I don't know what that is. From this? That's worth the I'm price confused. of admission right there. Yeah. I need to little teach a college baby. course on Joe Pesci. A <laughs> yes, dissertation. Well, there were times in the movie where I was uh, like finding myself almost on the burglar's side because getting back to the like extreme like wealth and upper middle classness of this movie i'm like oh, yes is a class war? they should steal from the rich and redistribute their wealth so i was like no oh, this is child this there, is a child i yeah. i found it very disturbed i mean i know that it's critical for the movie to work but the <laughs> amount of 
like it almost begins to look kinky for them. Like yeah. how yeah. much they love being like just physically they're destroyed. Destroyed. Like yeah. would have killed them a million times. The they yeah. would, like concussions. They would have died on the steps. I mean, Joe Pesci has like <laughs> third degree burns it's on crazy. his head and hand. And he's, he's like, I'm gonna steal this VCR if it kills me. <laughs> It's he, good. <sighs> when, did I already say that when he robs the house before, they don't even care about <laughs> robbing it? He's looking at a kaleidoscope. kaleidoscope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the called fuck? Baby Girl. <laughs> it's Baby Girl. It's called oh, Baby song? Girl. Should we play it? Uh, we should Is probably that, play can, it. It came out, oh my God, it literally came out last week. Ah, this is the world premiere. This is right. the world premiere. We may be the first. Prepare. Oh, good. Bailalo, mami. The intro's very Latin. What if I take off all my clothes? I'm wearing like glitter all over my body. With a picture of Joe Pesci on my bush. When I'm away from you, I know what to say. You. But every time you're near. What is this? What is he going for? Don't know if I'll get I told you I don't I don't like him anymore. <laughs> oh my god! Ah! Guys, I'm gonna start jer- jerking off right now. Starting to feel horny. Oh, you hear how he hit me? Are you horny? I'm kind of horny. I'm horny. Well, well, before we get like sued for copyright infringement. What if Joe Pesci literally <laughs> sued us? That would be the best press we've ever gotten. True. The Joe Pesci sues feminist podcast would be a boon for us. So you keep it going. What if he was backstage and I plotted this whole thing and he's my dad? My name's Tamara Pesci. Oh, God. The I best can't. long con. Oh. <laughs> I, Joe Pesci does a, a good job in this movie. Does oh. he do a biting a finger to the bone baby girl job? We don't know. No. <laughs> Should we talk about Daniel Stern a little bit? The other one? Sure. sure. Do, you have, do you have thoughts he's, on him? He's tall. He's the narrator. <laughs> Here's the thing about him. He's the narrator for the Wonder Years. Oh. oh I'm smart. You are. Thank, thank you, you for being here. here. AKA, I read a BuzzFeed list <laughs> before doing this. Um, but that's it about him. Oh, oh okay. yeah. There's not much to he say. He contributed a lot to the oral history, which indicated to me that he doesn't have anything going on because, <laughs> because it said Joe Pesci couldn't be reached. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. Um, it's not great. Something, I mean, this has nothing to do with women or their portrayal. Sure. But I, I, there were some things about this oral history that I thought were interesting or charming. Okay. So one thing that, so this was one of Chris Columbus's, I think one of his, fir- maybe one of his first movies that he directed. He had previously written Gremlins, Gremlins. and the Goonies. Mm-hmm. So he had a lot of, you know, considered 80s classics under his belt. Uh, and then he goes on to be kind of a famous children's movie director specifically because he directs the first two Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so I guess that he and John Hughes had been trying to work together for a while, yeah. uh, and Chris Columbus almost directed National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, 
which we will probably cover at some point because it's but then okay here's it's just a quote uh about the time that chris columbus met chevy chase and was afraid of him (laughs) so quote i went out to dinner with chevy chase to be completely honest chevy treated me like dirt but i stuck it out and even went so far as to shoot a few scenes with him so basically he says that chevy chase verbally abused chris columbus into quitting what would have been a huge break in his career when he was like 26 Oh Is my. Chevy Chase uh, known for being a dick? Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? I had no idea. He's a, yeah, I guess he's just like a vile man. Wow. He's a really bad guy. That's, mm. I think that's why he got kicked off community, too. It's just because he was just such a horror yeah. to be around. Is the street Chevy Chase named after named Chevy after Chase? I wonder this often. Could that possibly be true? Is there another Chevy Chase? Do, uh, does anyone remember him? Now? I mean, like, I think we do. But, like, what does a teenager know who Chevy Chase is? It seems impossible. I feel like community, like, like, but just season one? No, he's on it for a while. How long? He's in like four seasons. Four seasons. Oh, wow. We got stands in the front row. (laughs) (laughs) Was he in the Three Amigos? He was. Yeah. Is that movie good? No. My husband loves it. People love it, and I'm sorry. But you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. I hate that movie so much. Isn't like Donald Duck in that movie, not to digress too much? <laughs> oh, I don't know. No, there's a different version of the three. No, that's the three caballeros. Oh, that's, that's what Donald I'm thinking Duck about. And his various friends. Okay. Good call. Okay. I well, recently decided that I think the Donald Duck style nudity is the funniest style of nudity. I'm attracted to him. I think that, I think that Donald, yeah, I'm just like, you go for it. Yeah. Just a... a crop top and like his duck penis and out. again it's gender neutral because Daisy does the same thing yeah that's no true pa- I love no pants cartoons um, another no pants cartoon is of course Paddington Paddington <laughs> wears yes. a coat but but it's long it's decent enough to cover most He's of British. his body yes I've never Those seen American any. cartoons and they're commando speaking of Paddington Kevin's dad is wearing a Paddington-like duffel coat throughout the entire okay, movie. It is—it's the wrong color. It's tan, but it otherwise is it's identical. It's a coat, Caitlin. It's, it's Paddington's coat, but Tell a different me color. That Alfred Molina couldn't play Kevin McAllister. <laughs> oh my God! Imagine with a blonde wig. Tell me. <laughs> Tell me you couldn't do it. Before we dull, uh, <laughs> devolve into this Before too much. Before we melt into the ground. Uh, I do just have one actual last point to make. Sure. Um, and it's just uh, kind of tapping back into the discussion of f- uh, family movies, especially mm-hmm. of this era, and even to some extent today, just so much focus on a white nuclear family unit, both parents yeah. hetero, still together, still married, parents with white-collar jobs, upper-middle class, living in suburban America, especially for, like, holiday movies, I focus on, like, Christian Christmas. Uh, I mean, I think that just, like, goes back to the whole, like, family teen movie thing, too, where yeah. it's just, like, so few movies even attempt to address anybody anything. else. Because it's just, like, the assumption that that is first the norm which it isn't and second that that is like the only thing people are interested in seeing yeah which it isn't but everyone who makes this movie is from that background and so they you know the problem because those are also the people who are privileged enough to like make movies and like have funding to like be in charge of getting movies made and stuff like that i mean like even like i lived in like 
in like a, a blue collar family, rural, you know, like a uh, working class family. Um, and I j almost never saw myself represented in any family movies when I was growing up. Um, and that like fucks with kids. In a way you don't even realize. Yeah. yeah, when you're little. One thing I felt, I remember feeling this as a kid. When it came out, I was living in Argentina. Argentina where I was born and we were really poor and I remember being really mad at Kevin for missing the vacation wow <laughs> right the Whoa. same way this is a, a different movie but the same way I was mad at the little mermaid for not enjoying like her sea royalty and wanting to like be oh sure uh, right. you know missing yeah. the concert yeah because I was just like we you kept moving and we didn't have money and I was like, enjoy your fucking trip to Paris. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's but it. yeah, they they yeah, they don't yeah. they don't appreciate their wealth when they have it. Yeah. But right. Like stop playing with like popcorn or whatever he was playing with. <laughs> like go like hug your parents and be happy. Right. Mm -hmm. like, get it together. Jesus. Super Kevin. Come yeah, on. I mean it it goes without saying that families of color Poor families, working class families, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kids with disabilities, uh, queer kids. I mean, still, it's very, very, very rare yeah. to see. And it's also, I think, like, worth mentioning that when families that are not the ones that you just described are shown, it's often portrayed as tragic or lesser, and it's not... Right portrayed and it and it that sucks because it's like when you when you grow up in a family that's different than Kevin McAllister's family you still have fun you still yeah. enjoy you know and, and it's like it's not perfect it's it's different sure. and there's different setbacks that you can portray in a movie but it doesn't need to be like sad violin over you know a, fa a family that like this is their life right. and yeah. so it would be it would be good to see more family movies that don't just portray families that are not upper middle class white people, but is also just like portraying this as like, this is a normal thing. And right. like, this is like, a, families can be very happy totally. um, when they're not upper middle class white people living in the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah, you know, for so. sure. Um, one thing I'll say that I, I think is a, a positive for this movie is it's an original story that was because uh, I feel like we're we're like in this weird age of movies where like original stories getting funding are less and less and less. Yeah, everything is franchise and all that shit. But this is an original story that like super super paid off. Where this movie had an eighteen million dollar budget and it made four hundred seventy six million dollars. <laughs> I didn't realize how wow. huge this movie huge. was it when was it huge. came out. But it's the top grossing movie of 90... It out-earned Goodfellas. Take that, Pesci. <laughs> maybe he was right. Pesci owned Pesci. You know, it, like, he... Maybe he was right to chew through that finger. How much did Pesci make for Home Alone? That was my... No. Do we know? <gasps> oh, good question. Ballpark. I'm going to say... I'm going to get... I'm gonna what was the total? Up. 18 million? 18 million, yeah. Did Pesci make a million? No, that's crazy. I feel like that's, that's too, too low. <gasps> Oh, there's a disagreement, gentlemen. <laughs> I feel like, well, who's the most famous person in this movie at the time? I feel like it's Joe Pesci, because he was in Raging Bull. Yeah. Shit, who came first in like the, the names that come at the beginning? I can't oh, remember. Like I think it's not build. I feel like it's Macaulay Culkin for some reason. But this is like before Shit. Catherine O'Hara is super, super, super famous. I think It is. So. I'm pretty sure she was mainly known for SCTV at this point. Okay. Let's see. No, it just says 
Joe Pesci, okay, this is very cryptic. Joe Pesci has earned salaries up to $3,500,000 for his acting. My cousin Vinny was maybe that one. Oh, maybe that was a big <laughs> one for him. I, well, I'm a people, Joe Pesci psychic. People also ask, whatever happened to Joe Pesci? Well, he's, he's in The Irishman as we speak. Well, yeah. Well, and he just released Baby Girl last <laughs> week, honey. True. Speaking Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> Joe Pesci's <laughs> dropping music right now. Um, speaking <laughs> of other movies, uh, I just have a couple things to say. Sure. Um, now, the famous scene in Home Alone, when Kevin is standing in front of the mirror, he's talking to himself. He's like, I just took a shower. I washed all my crevices. I used actual soap. I used adult formula. He does not formula. say crevices. He does yeah. say crevices. He says crevices? Yeah. Yes. It's Did I creep black out that out? You must have, because he says crevices. And I don't like children saying crevices. I agree. <laughs> But he's like talking about all the products he's using. He's like, yeah, I use soap and adult formula shampoo and then a cream rinse for that just washed shine. And then we see him, we see him like putting on deodorant and then putting on the aftershave and then he does the, ah! That scene very closely resembles the scene in American Psycho where Patrick oh. Bateman is like looking at the mirror. He's like, and then I use an almond scrub. And then I use a facial cleanser that doesn't have alcohol because alcohol dries your skin out. And then I use a blah, blah, blah. And and then he like peels the mask off his face. And it's basically identical. I'm saying yeah. that American Psycho ripped off Home Alone. Mm -hmm. I fully agree. Thank yes. you so much. And then there's a very, what I think is a, a very direct reference to Raiders of the Lost Ark when Joe Pesci grabs the door, when Alfred Millian and the tarantulas, but there's a, I'm talking about a different thing. Uh, <laughs> when, when Joe Pesci grabs the doorknob and then has to stick, and it's burning, and he has to stick his hand in the snow, and then there's the, it's like the imprint of the doorknob is yes. burned onto his hand, and the same thing happens to the Nazi in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Caitlin. That was really good. I'm oh, wow. I'm, wow. I'm fully... I have a I, master's I degree in screenwriting. <laughs> I, I came across a theory... Oh, yes. ...that Kevin is dead. What? What? Oh. Wait, Anyone? is this the fan theory you said from earlier? Yes. Okay. I thought you were about to say Kevin oh, is dead. No, but I want to hear this. I, okay, so this is good, and it's actually written by feminist icon Erin Gloria Ryan, okay. who I'm a big fan of. Uh, she wrote this piece two years ago that says, Home Alone is so much better if Kevin McAllister is dead. It's oh. a hot take, but bear with me. I'll read a bit from it. Okay. I was compelled. Quote, in the dead Kevin version of Home Alone... <laughs> The reason the extended family has gathered in the Winnetka house is that the next day they're going to fly to Paris without Kevin so they can get a little peace and quiet. Leaving him home was deliberate. No one actually thought Kevin would join them on the trip to Paris because he is a spirit who's tethered to the house. <laughs> Kate McAllister is the only person who reacts to forgetting Kevin the way a normal person would to forgetting a child. Her husband Peter is oddly calm, as are Aunt Leslie and Uncle Frank, who try to comfort Kate by telling her that he forgot his reading glasses. Mm -hmm. Kevin has an aversion to both the third floor of his house and the basement where a menacing furnace calls his name. It doesn't take a first year Tisch student to point out that this pair of aversions represent Kevin's refusal to leave the physical world of his house. <gasps> 
and ascend or descend to heaven or to hell? the afterlife. What? It's Dante's Inferno, but <laughs> Home Alone. <laughs> it's incredible. Later, as an emboldened Kevin attempts to leave the edge of his yard for the first time, he is thwarted by old man Marley, who appears practically out of nowhere and scares Kevin back inside where he's safe. Marley also appears where Kevin ventures past the edge of his yard for the first time the next day, as if to scare him back home again. On the night the bandits plan to rob Kevin's house, Marley tries again to keep him safe, trying to teach him old man lessons in a church. And it's old man Marley who is finally able to fell the bandits with his shuffle after Kevin leads them through a series of hellish physical ordeals. So, okay. <laughs> the theory goes on. It also says that Joe Pesci and the other guy are immortal. Oh. But basically, Kevin's what? a ghost. Marley is his protector. Like that guardian is angel? His angel that is trying to get him to stay in the house where he's safe and decide to ascend or descend. That's why they don't tell anyone anything happened because oh. no one's going to believe a ghost. So there's no point in reporting it. This also, is Marley beautiful, but not what it was. <laughs> right? Are you sure? <laughs> Can we be sure? I don't think it's real, but I was, I was like, uh, my mouth was agape. That? This is insane. It's amazing. I've, I'm glad that someone thought of it. Uh, same. It's I my agree. favorite fan theory I've ever read. That, was, yeah. that is quite yeah, good. I mean, Kevin McAllister like, is dead. An R.I.P. R.I.P. Rest in power. King. What if everyone in the movie was dead? And it, they were there. all just people, dead people confused. It's like the last episode of Lost think? or whatever the fuck happens in that what show. What happens in that no show? No one knows. I took a class on that in college. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Can you believe that? A whole semester? A whole semester of some fucking loser being like, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was in debt for a decade. Can you believe I mean. that? I took a semester of Don Quixote, and I just realized that you can watch the Yale lecture for free online. Ah. Oh, no. It's don't okay. go to college. Don't, it's don't a, go to scam. Losers. It's such a scam. Okay, I have a master's degree. Anyway, um, <laughs> I am in so much debt. Please join our Patreon. Um, okay, so uh, does anyone have any final thoughts? No, I, we had more to say than I thought. Truly. I'll be honest. It I, was, I thought this would finally be the episode yeah. where we just sat out here like, ugh. <laughs> We don't Turns know. out we talk a lot. It's a feminist masterpiece. I think we have a, <laughs> I think we have a, a few moments for a couple questions or comments from the audience. If anyone has anything to contribute to this lively, d important discussion that we just had, piece. Yes. <laughs> this yeah, uh, come on down so you, we can hear you in the in the mic. Um, I would just like to point out that there are many adults that fail to realize this kid is like walking around by himself. He goes to the grocery store. Yes. The police are like, oh, we tried. We tried knocking, and, you know, no one answered, so I guess he's fine. And it's like he's eight. Yes. And you know mm -hmm. he's in there. <laughs> one lady comes close, yeah. but she doesn't. She's like, are you by yourself? Yeah. It's when he goes to the supermarket the second yeah. time. He goes to, to get, a church. Yeah. He goes to he a goes church. He goes to a church where by himself. He's I have expected himself. him to talk to some... Why doesn't Marley... Baby, like, why are you at church alone? Why aren't you at church? <laughs> why I'd say it's incompetence. <laughs> incompetence by all the adults. He's the most competent one. Yeah. I think it only makes sense that he's dead. I mean, <laughs> and that's... Uh, 
I mean, that's a common theme of like children's movies where it's like, the children are so much smarter than the adults. And then this movie also plays into the fantasy of like, yeah, our families suck and we just want to be home alone forever. I'm like, Jimmy when I was Neutron. a kid. Oh, I haven't watched it. I'm so oh, sorry. We're going to cover it tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> are there any other questions? Yeah. I rewatched it this morning, and um, I just thought it was interesting how John Candy offered to like give her a ride, and him and his polka band like rented a bus, but um, Kate didn't think to rent a bus. She just kept buying oh, yeah. right. tickets all over. Wow. She didn't think to like rent a car or anything until like a man showed up and was like, "No, let me help you." Right. Ah, that's that's very crazy. true. Good point. Um, I'll excuse wow. because I like Catherine O'Hara so much and the character she plays. I I'll think excuse you mean that. Mom, uh, mom sorry. Um, <laughs> I'll excuse that away of just like her being so frantic over this crisis that's happening in her family right. that she isn't like using her logical brain as effectively as yeah. she I could. would guess that she had already bartered all her jewels. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she went so bankrupt. She had no. Nothing, or maybe nothing left on her. To I don't know, yeah. but that is that could have that, that could have easily yeah. been an oversight to just be like, well, we want John Candy in the movie, also, obviously, which was a delight. Right. His lines were all improvised. Is another fact I've, I oh found interesting. Yeah. I feel like he's I, playing the same character he plays in Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. He's just like on that journey. He's like, oh, you, I'll give you a ride. I'm on a bus this time. I or a van. So that scene, those scenes with him are not very long, right? But I read in the in the oral history that. I read apparently they had a full 12 hours of shooting with him. Wow. And he fully explored a character. (laughs) I mean, there was a whole, Catherine O'Hara says in this like oral history interview, she was like, yeah, I just remember it was a really long day. I think that she improvised fleshing out her character quite a bit. John Candy created this whole narrative for the polka band and they were on hard times, but now they're doing better, but they're not as successful as they once were. Sure. And it was this whole thing. And then at the end of the day, Chris Columbus was just like, well, that was all basically unusable. (laughs) Kind of like calm down, like yeah. you know. <laughs> I how guess that they just much. right. I'm right. like, but they did. It's somewhere, maybe M- somewhere. That footage is Can somewhere. We get our hands on it. I would love to see a 12-hour cut. Of <laughs> well, speaking of 12 hours, that's about how long it takes to drive from Scranton, Pennsylvania, to Chicago. Because I did Google Map oh, it oh, earlier wow. today. So she was oh, in that same way that like. van for, for 12, 12 hours. hours. I mean, and it was snowing, so maybe they had to go slower. I don't know. Did they stop for meals? Probably. For bathroom sure. breaks? No, there's no peeing in this movie. No pee-pee. No pee-pee. That's a great Coming observation. Right back around. To, that was a callback to the, the pee-mat To things. Tam's pee-pee pad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have a question in the back. Let's do one more. Oh, yeah. There is that whole discussion earlier in the movie about the cousin or the son that wets the bed. Oh, yes. So your, your listeners are going to be like, no, there's peeing in this movie. There's an entire discussion. <sighs> you just saved us from being added to death. Yeah. Thank you Oh, so you guys much. forgot about Kieran Culkin oh, peeing every time. Oh, did you remember Kieran Culkin pees? <laughs> That's a huge part about this. Yeah. I love Twitter so much. <laughs> it makes sense. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's a great point. Kieran Life is Cul- amazing. Only one it character is. pees and Macaulay Culkin's dead. <laughs> Kevin's dead. Macaulay Culkin's alive and well and calls Catherine O'Hara mom. Yeah. 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 Any other questions or comments? Yeah. We'll, we'll go one more. 
Yeah, we'll repeat it. So the question is, how do you think we can uh, encourage and support more diversity in film? Give opportunities to writers, creators, directors, etc. Any uh, creative minds who have like influence over story and stuff like that. Um, I think it's like, and it's a lot of just like demanding it from people who have power right yeah. now. Uh, where I just dumped on Twitter because everyone, you know, will point out pee pee things. But the great power of, of social media is you do have like direct connection to powerful people and to let them know how you feel. And so like there is such a failure of powerful people right now to give opportunities. And there's that mentorship complex that I feel like we've discussed on the show before where it's like mentors so often are, you know, like there's so many like rich white guys in power and they'll mentor people who remind them of themselves. And it's just encouraging people who have power right now to mentor people who are not just them to prioritize giving opportunities to people from backgrounds that aren't their own and to, you know, diversify. And conversations like this too, because as we're sitting here, I'm like, shit, thinking of myself as a kid in Argentina watching this, it's like, there's a story to be told in that. I just never thought mm -hmm. it was anybody cared, you know? Sure. So but we do. We care. We do. And then I think uh, one of the main things that consumers can do, because money speaks very loudly uh, in this industry and all industries, but um, make sure you go to see movies in theaters that are created by and star you know diverse casts and yeah and look for them too because yes. they're not marketed yeah. as heavily as fucking joker and shit like that right i yeah, haven't don't seen it. see that movie yeah bravely don't see joker that's the way to encourage diversity <laughs> no uh no but i i do think it, like it is just like it because people from any sort of marginalized group, their their movies and projects are not prioritized and marketed as heavily right, right. as things from you know old school uh, rich white guys. It's like you have to seek it out and support it, and you know support your friends. And it's it's a climb, but it's you know it's it's getting better. Yeah, we're out. We're, Slowly, we're progress yeah. is slow. Yeah. Um. Thank you for all your questions. Yeah, everybody. that was a great question. Hey, does this movie pass the Bechdel test? <laughs> No. Uh, it does not. There are no. more interactions between women than I expected there to be, because I remembered none of these, but, like, Kate McAllister talks to the French airline lady about mm. trying to get on a flight back home, but mm. she is not named, and they. It's all, the whole context is, I have to get back to my, my son. My son. And Irene, the old lady that she offers all the jewelry to. Yes, mm -hmm. and she is named, yes. Uh, but uh, it, the whole thing is still like, my please, please, I must get back to my, hus my, son. my son. My husband. <laughs> and then her husband comes up and he's like, we're boarding. Get on the flight, Irene. And then the mom talks to various of her daughters, and yeah. I think it's her sister-in-law, Leslie. Um, but again, the whole thing is like, even though the conversations they're might all very not have passing, a, like passing on paper because like they don't necessarily mention a man's name, but the whole context is still like we have to do these things to get back to Kevin. Right. So, and then the mom talks to the female police officer, but again, same thing with the context. Uh, so I don't think it passes. It's, no, it doesn't pass. I had I have to say one more thing, and then yes. we'll let everyone go home. Okay, so one of the sisters, the actor who plays Megan McAllister, she goes on to 
represent the United States in judo at the Olympics. Wow. Three times. <gasps> Good for her. I know. I think she actually ends up doing the best. I think she ends up doing better than Macaulay Culkin in many ways. <laughs> She's remembered for being a judo champion. Amazing. I just thought that was a very dream. impressive. Shout Incredible. out to her. Shout out. We'll yeah. never do that. We'll I'm never do that. I'm so far away from being it's, an Olympic judo. Does anyone person. here think they even have a shot? Does anyone do well, karate? Well, that's why you're not Megan McAllister. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that does not pass. No. Uh, let's rate it on our nipple scale, zero to five nipples, based on its representation of women. Oh boy. Uh oh. Um, well, pff, I mm, I do appreciate. But what's the number? I know. I always don't say the number first. Until, until yeah. I like to give a long preamble. Because and she's make deciding while furious. she's talking. She's it's giving true. herself a long runway. Uh, I'm going to say one and a half. Okay. I think that's pretty fair. I will also say that. And I'm not going to let the audience influence me this time because I also do that every time. Where Caitlin people are like, like you're like, wrong. Too. And I'm and like, oh, what should it be? Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and women don't apologize anymore. Yeah. They're, <laughs> I think one and a half because the one female character we get to know is, while we really only know who she is as it relates to being a mother, right. which is a reductive thing, she is, I would say, on par and maybe the second most active character in the story. She is driving the uh, mission to get home to Kevin. She is not the negligent mother that I feel like history has like remembered her as. She's got a lot on her plate. It appears, even though it should be more explicit, that she may be the breadwinner of this family. Mm. She's costumed as the breadwinner of the family. And she got way more screen time than I thought that, you know, yeah. just based on the way this movie had been described to me. So, you know, it's the classic, you really only get one female character, even though you see others. She's the only active female character. Right. But I liked her. And it's like, I feel like it's easy to, you know, plug yourself into her situation. And she's a very empathetic, active character, which I appreciated. But then there's only men other than that. Yeah. So one and, and a half. One and a half is also just an extremely, as we've discussed, white movie, an yes. extremely upper class movie. It doesn't give a, a shit about anyone who does not fit this like idyllic American dream type of family and villainizes the people who are trying to eat the rich. So, you know. <laughs> if you have $100 for pizza... Yeah, no, it is It is very of its time in the ways that it portrays families and the way that it portrays the ideal family and mm-hmm. in, in, in sort of every regard. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I'm going I'm to give it a nipple and a half. I'm going to give one to Catherine O'Hara, and then I'm going to give half to Kevin because he's dead. Oh, that's so sad. He died. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give my one and a half nipple to the tarantula. Ooh. Who tarantulas do have zero nipples, <laughs> but they have eight legs, and that's tarantula facts with Caitlin. <laughs> Love it. Tim, what do you think? I'm going to give it two nipples. Yeah. Because I have two nipples. All right. That's the entire reasoning. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> that Love is the it. best reasoning I've ever heard. You pee on your floor and you have two nipples. two nipples. What if we were like, this episode has been brought to you by Baby Girl by 
<laughs> Download it today. I think maybe we can bump it up to two nipples just strictly because did he name his song Baby Boy? No. No. Oh, wow. Yes. Feminist icon Joe Feminist Pesci. Feminist icon Joe Pesci yeah. is prioritizing the representation of women. That's true. <laughs> but he's in also infantilizing them, so that's not good. Well, but he could be singing about a baby. That's true. We can't understand the we lyrics. Don't, it's impossible know. to know what he's saying. <laughs> Oh, ba 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 He's Scooby Dooing. We don't know what he's saying. Yeah, true. I hope everyone goes home and listens <laughs> to this. I privately thank you so much for that gift. Yes, because my pleasure. I didn't. It's his, it was his first release in 23 years. Too. I feel like I'm Joe Pesci week. right now. You know. Yes. yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, and thank yes, you for being thank here. You Give so it up much. for Tam. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, where um, can people follow you online? Check out your stuff. Find me online at JoePesci.com. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I have a podcast called Chorizo Talk, where me and my sister talk about our life nice. as kids and now. Great. And we eat a sausage. A different one every time. Except we forget the sausage every time. So okay. it's, that's just the... the sure. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and I'm online at Dances with Tammy's. The <laughs> worst fucking Twitter name <laughs> ever. But it's a classic. It's a classic. Based off of Dances with Wolves by oh. Kevin Costner, which I've never seen. Oh, <laughs> it's very long and quite boring. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, coming to the show. Yes, Give it up yourself. for yourselves. Give it up to Jake for Jake. recording for Jake us. Robinson. The Give whole Ruby Jeff. staff. Give it up to the Ruby. Bye-bye. Have a great night. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Hey, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.